Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season or only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Stop, drop, and turn around. Somebody's gonna love you. Somebody's gonna love you. Cool. I'm glad we're getting this copyright strike out of the way early. It was, I know it was perfect. That was a perfect rendition of that song. So I'm gonna get flagged for it being a, just an identical copy. Yeah, today we are doing 1986's Action Family. Yes. Uh, starring Chris Elliott. Yes. What an interesting uh, thing that has come across our desks here. But first, let's pour one out. Let's pour one out. What do you got there, Laura? I have the feathered earring for the biggest murder clue that we have in the uh, murder mystery that the show hinges on. It is lemon seltzer, pink lemonade vodka, and um, the color orange. Yes. It looks really nice, actually. It looks refreshing. It's pretty good. You want to try it? Yeah, I'll take a little sippy. A little sip do. It's not too sweet. Uh, Sometimes these, uh, there is a lot of food coloring at the bottom, though. Oh, you can really taste the food color. Can you? No, it's actually very good. It's yeah, it's, uh, I, I did put some orange food coloring in it to get that feather color. Gotcha. Uh, I have uh, a big thing in this is a, get me a coffee, make yeah. me a coffee. Uh, so I, uh, I made myself a nice little coffee with some creamer, and then I threw in some Kahlua. And I also threw in some Liquor 43, because I used to throw that in everything, and I hadn't it in a while. Okay. And I'm calling it the hair of the dog. Or you could call it the Coffee with 34. Why would I call it that? Because the wife flips around all the numbers. Oh, right. Okay. Yours is smarter than mine, even though I didn't get it. (laughs) You're so smart. Don't patronize me. But you can patronize us if you have our Patreon. Yeah, so check out our Patreon. Our uh, bonus episode uh, should be up by the time that this went live. So uh, we recently did a tier list of all the reality show hosts that we covered here on the show. And if you want to hear which reality show host is all the things I don't like about myself. Yes. Or which reality show host Noah will scream at his co-host over. If you want... An hour and a half podcast discussing the talents of different identical white men. <laughs> Check out our Patreon. It is a lot of identical white men. Yes. It's two women. Two women made that list. And, and they were both in the same category. And they're grouped in with three men. <laughs> yes. The alts from Mad Mad House. Anyway, let's stop plugging ourselves and uh, let's get into Action Family. So Action Family as a little bit of background... This was made for a series called the Cinemax Comedy Experiment. Oh, okay. So what Cinemax would do would just give different comedians a bit of a budget, clearly not much of a budget, and they would just kind of let you go. Interesting. So Cinemax was doing a mature live-action Oh Yeah cartoons. 
Yes. Interesting. But they had to be comedy. I want to find all of these now. <laughs> yeah, that's something... Uh, it's something I came across in my research, but I felt like it was a really good background. So this is Chris Elliott's opening. Chris Elliott is best known for SNL, Cabin Boy, I mean, I think the David Letterman yeah, show. Yeah, I think he's best known for uh, David Letterman because David Letterman, he kind of got his start there. And uh, I remember my mom loved him because he was the man underneath the audience. Okay. And it was just this character they did where they were like... Ladies and gentlemen, that of course was episode number three of our new running character on the show, The Guy Under the Seats. And there he is, our own Chris Elliott. Chris, come on up and take a bow. And there was a trap door in the seats that he would like pop his eyes out. Because he's got those like big eyes. Yeah. And he would say something crazy and then he would just go back underneath the audience. And he is, we, we always talk about certain... Uh, celebrities looking ageless. Chris Elliott has looked like a guy in a rough mid thirties since he was like twenty, and yeah. still looks like that. like he looks exactly the same now than he did in 80, 86, which is terrible. <laughs> I'm gonna be real. He looks a little better now. I actually I remember. I remember, this is a weird sentence, I remember watching The View, and they interviewed him on The View, I believe to promote Scary Movie 2. Okay. uh, Because he's the guy with the little hand in Scary Movie 2, if you didn't know. And he came out, and the first thing he said was, just so you guys know, I gained a lot of weight and lost a lot of hair for an upcoming part. And I was like, eh, you kind of look like you always did. Yeah, he, uh, he worked on Shit's Creek. Oh, did he? So that's what he's kind of currently. Uh, but it's kind of what he's currently. He was rolling shit. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So that's kind of what he's probably currently best known for. Uh, yeah, he's also Marshall's dad in uh, Lily's dad. She, he's Lily's dad in uh, How I Met Your Mother. He created the game Diseases. Yeah, no, Marshall's dad actually is a much more serious character. Yes, and I believe, um, excuse me if I'm getting this wrong, uh, he played a character on Everyone Loves Raymond. I I think maybe like uh, Deborah's brother or something, Mm -hmm. and gets replaced by Pee Wee Herman or vice versa. (laughs) Yeah, he's done a lot. Like, he's definitely one of the biggest that guy actors. Yeah. So, he got to do one of these and decided to go in a very fascinating direction. The intro is bad. I don't like the intro because I think it gave away the game too much. It's very clearly a parody of the Brady Bunch. Yes. Where, because I actually got confused because it shows him and then his three children the way it does in the Brady Bunch and then it shows his wife and then the same three children because it made me think that there are now six children but there are not yeah and then at the end where it's like the big tic-tac-toe board it's the five of them and explosions yeah when dad is at home and we get together there's always a lot of love to spare but when he's at work we hit stormy weather, and danger and death are in the air. 
it turns and it gets very strange. It looks like an SNL sketch. Yeah, that's, like, that's a good way to explain it. Not in a good way, in mm-hmm. that like kind of weird, cheap way. Mm-hmm. Like and rushed. Yeah, it, it actually does not do a great job of setting up how clever the rest of the show is. Yeah. Because it, it's... I keep. I do have a joke here. Second best intro ever because it's so weird. It is very strange. Behind uh, McGuff. McDuff. McDuff, the talking dog. Yes. Um. So we open and it's Detective Chris. Yes. Who has curly dark hair? Yeah. Which is important. Mm-hmm. Talking to, he says like a. He's talking to like a street musician. Yeah. Here's I, a quarter. Why don't you go to college? Yeah, I start to get worried at this point because he says that and he's calling him... Well, first he mentions that he can't understand him, mm-hmm. even though we can understand him. He does have like a bit of like an accent, but like we can clearly understand him. Hey, Chris! How we doing today? I know, Rain. I was listening very closely to what you just said. Uh-huh. I have both ears open. Yeah. And this is what I think I heard you say, okay? This is what I think you said. What is that, scat talker? He gives him a quarter and says, go to college. And he's calling him no brain. Yeah, that's what the character is credited as. He then goes into his building, where he's a PI, and uh, he sees his secretary, who is a black woman, and is immediately like, get me coffee. Yeah, peg. And I was like, is this going to be racist? Because, like, all I've seen him do so far is interact with black characters poorly. <laughs> it also, we see a weird POV shot. What was this? We see this twice. It's a weird POV shot of him entering the office and addressing Peg. Yeah. And, like, Peg comes up and gives him a kiss. Which is such a, like, PI trope of the secretary who is... You're not a successful PI, but your secretary stays because she's fond of you. Yeah. Whether romantically or platonically. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I want to get into a little bit more later when the, the worlds cross a little more. Uh, yeah. And he calls Peg. And he we establish him as like he's a nice guy. He gives money to the street musicians. I'm going to actually hold just for one second. Because I, I should have said this earlier. If you have not seen this show, I highly recommend you watch the show before you hear us talk about it. Yeah, it nothing we you, say is going to make it make. We haven't said what the thing is yet, so we haven't ruined it for you. You need to have the experience of this show so you can go into this podcast with that energy. Because yeah. what's about to happen is cuckoo bananas. <laughs> Thank you, Cheryl from Riverdale. Um, cuckoo bananas, I'm telling you. I'm cuckoo bananas for you. Um, that's my one per uh, episode. You're, you have a backlog. It's You've true. been saving them for next week. Ooh, spoilies. So. Welcome back from watching it. <laughs> hi, welcome back. So we try to establish Chris as like a nice guy who gives money to buskers. And then he pulls up a newspaper, which is an effective way of showing we're in L.A. Mm-hmm. And... We're in the third slaying. Like, there's been three mystery random slayings. Yes. And he's been the only one, because he's a PI and he's smarter than the cops, to realize that they're all jazz music. He does not realize this. Oh, he's not? No. No brain comes into the office. Oh, you're right. Excuse me. 
and pleads for help. Mm-hmm. And Chris is like, why? And he goes, they're going after jazz musicians. And I'm a jazz musician. And he's like, well, I can help you, but it's $800 a day. Yeah, you can't afford that. How much is that in quarters? And then he leaves. And then gunshots. Yes. And someone screams, and then we see No Brain laying outside across his cello. Yes. Or his upright bass. His upright bass, because it's giant. (laughs) So is a cello. Um, But it's probably because he's a jazz musician and upright bass. Upright bass, yeah. Um, And a man in black runs away, and No Brain... Uh, dies bloodlessly in Chris Elliott's arms. Yes, as he screams, but he does find a clue. He finds an orange feather. An orange feather earring. Mm, Yes. So, then we get to the weird twist with this show. Yeah, so that that scene, like, we kind of skip through it, but it's pretty long. Like, yes. there's a weird moment where he, he does, like, a weird tanning bed for no reason. Yeah, he stands in front of a giant satellite. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, interesting, weird stuff that happens here. Uh, and then he goes home, and it's, like, pouring rain. Yes. And I love this moment. He walks into the house, and suddenly it's shot like a sitcom. Yeah, it goes from... The single camera to the multi-camera sitcom. But he realizes he forgot something. So he steps back outside and it goes back to being the action show for like five seconds. Yeah. And then he comes back and it's a sitcom. That is a beautiful moment. Because that's like, that's Roger bumping the lamp in Roger's Rabbit. Where it's like, it's a minute detail that was kind of difficult to, not super difficult, but like... It's a minor detail that, like, really burns into your brain. Hey, something's wrong here. Yes. And so now it's a sitcom. He takes his hair off. Yes. And puts it on, like, a a busk. And then he puts on, like, this terrible Cosby sweater. That's, like, six sizes too large. Yeah, it looks awful on him. (laughs) And he's... His kids... His two younger kids run up. And he gets the son, Danny, to put away his pipe. And the younger daughter gets to clean his gun today. It's her turn. Oh, it's her turn to clean the gun. And then we get the real weird thing. (laughs) We hear... Hey, no, how many audience members does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, three? No, one to do it and one to go, Rousey's changing the light bulb! Oh, right. I forgot this happened. This is the strangest thing because we had to rewind it for this. Yes. You just hear audience members, because it's a sitcom, talking. Yeah. There's a lot of laugh track and you hear them. You hear someone ask a question and be answered and shush. Yeah, shush. Just watch the show. Hey, partner, put daddy's pipe away. That damn Ooh, pipe takes up more space. Shh. But, like, it's not easy to hear. It's just confusing. (laughs) And I appreciate it now that we watched it when you could just easily rewind and be like, what the hell was that? Yeah. In 1986 when this aired, there had to be people being like, was that a mistake? Was someone behind me talking? Like, what what was that? And we meet his wife, Shirley. Mm -hmm. Shirley has burned dinner because instead of cooking it for, like, on 350 degrees for 30 minutes. Yeah. She has cooked it for 
350 minutes on 30 degrees. Something that's not possible. Something that would not end up with it burning. Yeah, and Chris Chris burns his hand on it. It's like something that wouldn't end up hurting you. And what's burning? Surely, I don't know. I follow the directions. I cooked it for 325 hours at three and a half degrees. It's so funny because, like, you understand what happened. But there's just like something in the back of your brain that's like, no, that's wrong, though. So the idea that it was in there for 350 hours, maybe? Even then, 350 hours. It's a ridiculous amount of time at a temperature that's not hot enough to cook anything. At a temperature that's not hot enough to not be refrigerated anymore. (laughs) It's... Like, it would still be frozen. It would be frozen. Like, it's such a weird joke, but I loved it. And they start talking about, like, your everyday sitcom family problems. Yeah. Melissa, Chris's daughter, is turning into a young woman. Mm-hmm. And here we get, like, a bait and switch. Because we've seen a young boy and a girl who looks like she might be, like, heading toward her preteens. Yeah. No. He has a third daughter. Yes. Uh, Melissa, and she comes down completely naked, but for two sensor bars. Yes. Which I did have the thought of like, did someone do this for YouTube? But no, it's definitely done in show. Yeah, she's definitely, the sensor bars are done in such a way that really makes me feel like, oh, this is like this, the bit. Yes. So she comes down, she's completely naked. The crowd reacts because a naked woman has appeared. Yes, as that turns out. And uh, they they have that basic like father-daughter like, you're not going out like that. But he thinks it's sexy if I'm completely naked. Because uh, they, she's going out with Zach tonight, her mm-hmm. new boyfriend. He's on parole and they met at a prison dance. <laughs> prison dance? On parole... At a prison dance, am I the what in tarnation? And he's supposed to be kind of this like quote quote unreasonable sitcom dad. Yeah, but like the joke is he's completely reasonable. <laughs> yeah, she is completely naked, and he is actually a criminal. <laughs> and so he cuts a deal with his daughter that he'll consider being nice to her boyfriend if she throws something on. Yeah. And then we find out that Danny has failed a test. And Danny, his son, has always been intelligent, but he's suddenly doing very poorly in school. He can't understand anything that's going on in his class. No, he just can't get it. It's a shame. But they're going to have to meet with the teacher. Has anyone seen Grandpa? Oh, yeah. And then a toilet flushes and the crowd bursts into laughter. Anytime Grandpa is said, a toilet flushes on cue. Yeah. Which is the very, like... It's such an old sitcom trope of the mm-hmm. unseen family member. Yeah. All of the examples I can think of are well after Action Family. Mm-hmm. Of like Maris from Frasier or um, Wallowitz's mother from The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. This, such a very like cliche classic thing. Mm-hmm. That's meant to establish that Action Family has an in-joke with the audience. Because the audience is like, ha, 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 we know this. So this isn't a sitcom pilot. We are in media res. Yeah. The audience 
does know these characters and knows their bits already. Yeah, knows the catchphrases and stuff. So I, I really liked that touch. <laughs> so Melissa throws on a tube dress and then Zach shows up and they make out ferociously. Yeah. And he is clearly in his mid-30s. Yeah. <laughs> and he is wearing one orange feather earring. Yes. And I like this. Uh, Chris Elliott says, oh, what a lovely piece of jewelry you have. And like to the side, superimposed is him holding the uh, feather earring when no brain died. Yes. And I was like, oh, they're, they're actually taking care to do stuff. Okay, cool. I like that, like the continuity and it's actually building a nice little story amongst all this madness. Yeah. It, it's very clever. Yeah. And Zach has a line. It's the most risque line in the entire show. Because that's something I want to get into of this show meets standards and practices for network TV. Yeah. Even then. I mean, obviously it would now because standards and practices are a little looser. Mm -hmm. But the most risque line is he says, Let me compliment you on your fine looking daughter. (laughs) You know, stirring fudge in a slammer for 10 years really makes you appreciate real chicks. (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) And you're like, whoa! Stirring fudge. Like, that's just a quick, like... I missed it. You had to bring that to my attention that that was said. Because I went, whoa! (laughs) But it's the only moment in the whole show that is kind of risque. And this is a show with a naked girl. Yeah. But she's censored in a way that, like... You can get away with it. Well, she's more covered than, like, a bikini. Right. Because these giant sensor bars, Mm -hmm. you don't really see any of her chest. Yeah. Or any of her pubic area. It is... That's why I know for a fact it was done for the show. Right. Because the sensor bars, one, they don't really sensor anymore. They pixelate. True. Two, they're giant. They are giant. So, uh, Melissa and Zach leave because it's trapeze night. (laughs) I don't know what that means. No, we were never no shown idea. trapeze night. But I just thought of that thing in Amazing Race where like, Zach's too heavy for the trapeze. <laughs> and then we get a nightmare sequence where Abe Lincoln spanks Chris Elliott. Wait, why does this happen? And then he sits up in bed and starts screaming. And it's, I should note that like, there's a fade out here. Mm-hmm. Like it was going to commercial. Yes. Which, when it aired on Cinemax, it wouldn't have been. Yes. And at this point, I was unaware that it aired on Cinemax. Yeah. So I assumed that, like, this is what they were coming back from commercial to. Uh, Yeah, he's just getting spanked by the president. Yeah. You know, as one does. He wakes up in a cold sweat, and what he gets from being spanked by Lincoln is that he doesn't want Melissa to see Zach anymore. Yeah. A very sitcom dad, like, has a weird non-sequitur nightmare. And then it's directly about whatever the conflict of his home life is. So then we get to Detective Chris. Yes. He leaves, goes to work, and he goes around uh, asking people what they know about the earring. And he goes to the local mall because Mm it's the 80s. Yes. And then he kisses, like, a co-ed. He kisses like a mall rat. Yeah, this is like a weird montage where he's just the cool P.I. that's working the beat. Yeah, and then like he gets a donut. And I totally thought he was going to get a donut and then make out with the girl at the yeah. counter. Which, honestly, 
kind of seemed like the next joke, mm-hmm. but then he doesn't. And then we get a stock scene of Chris begging the cops for help and the cops don't help. Yes. And then eventually the cops agree to run a check on Zach. Yeah, run a check on Zach. Just keep that in mind. And the next thing we get, and this is what I want to talk about when we get into like tropes. Shirley, Chris's wife, is talking to Peggy, Chris's secretary. Yes, on the phone. And it's a split screen. Right. Between the two of them. And there's a moment where Peggy goes, are you having a party? Yes. Because only Shirley can, only Shirley has the laugh track. Yes, but it comes through the phone line. Tell Chris not to forget, we have an appointment with Danny's teacher, Mrs. Diaz, at 2.30 in room 315. Or is it 315 in room 230? Look, is there a party going on over there? Shirley's also kind of like jealous and catty and miserable to Peggy. Yeah. Because Shirley is a sitcom wife and Mm. sitcom wives are jealous. Yeah. Peggy is calm and chill because P.I.'s secretaries are devoted and patient. Mm -hmm. So it's two stock characters from different genres interacting. Yeah. This is wonderful. And like, it's really kind of brilliant. But relies on you kind of, like, knowing that kind of trope. Yeah, the bit where the audience laughs and it comes through the phone phone line. I looked at Laura with my eyes wide and mouth open like, oh my god, this is brilliant. This is... It's something that I would expect more today. Yeah. But... Shirley calls Peggy to tell her that Chris needs to meet at 2.30 in room 3.15. Yes. Or at 3.15 in room 2.30 to meet with Mrs. Diaz, who is Danny's teacher. Yeah. Uh, my next note. Oh my god, the sitcom noises only happen in the house! Yeah, it's such a f- brilliant joke. Uh, Chris then fights a hot dog vendor. Yeah, this I'm not a fan of. It's Chris Elliott's dad. I know it's Chris Elliott's dad, because we find that out later through context. But this scene goes on for, like, really long. And, like, I don't quite get it. He says, give me a... A hot dog with ketchup. With oh, Give me one of with just ketchup. And then they start fighting about the mustard. Yes. And then, like, this big fight sequence breaks out. It goes on for... A little too long, which is the joke. Uh, And then the hot dog vendor runs away and Chris Elliott fires at him like nine times with his six shooter. Yes. Uh, And that's just like the end of that scene. Yep. And I was like, ah, we could have done something more effective with this time, but okay. And then I believe this is where we have our other big cameo. Uh, Yes, because after they have that, my next note here is, the fight looks terrible. Yeah. But it's clearly intended to. Uh, Chris Elliott also shoots at the hot dog vendor as he retreats. Yeah. Nine times with a six shooter. Yeah. Uh, which is great because that means it's a terrible shot. And then his car phone rings. I'm like, yes, 80s car phone. Yes. And he finds out about Danny's teacher meeting. And before he leaves, he asks Peg to run a check on Zach. And she's like... I need a last name because, again, in these PI shows, the admin is always grounded in reality, even when no one else is. Yeah, and that's such a like 
set. I mean, this is every cop show. Even as far as Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like, you get the impression that Gina Linetti is more grounded than the cops. Yeah, yeah. And she's not very grounded. No, not at all. So, we then get him going to his car, and we get a weird POV shot of Mm -hmm. him getting in his car and driving. And he pulls up at a stoplight, and next to him pulls up David Letterman. Yeah. Hey, jerk! Oh, God, this is embarrassing. What are you doing, buddy? This is my uh, Cinemax comedy experiment, Dave. Yeah. And it's uh, just you? Yeah, yeah, I'm the star. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that your dad I saw back there? Yeah, it was. He's doing a little cameo in it. I want to come back to this. Okay. uh, Because this moment I find very interesting. Uh, Unless you have something more you want to say about this moment. I don't. It's, um, It's kind of a Chris Elliott hallmark that David Letterman has a strange cameo. Because in Cabin Boy... Yes. David Letterman also has a strange brief cameo. Yeah. I love David Letterman. I don't know if you guys know this, but David Letterman was my boy. Like, I watched uh, The Late Show with David Letterman almost every night for a while. Uh, He was my favorite uh, host. And uh, he didn't really do anything else. Mm -hmm. Like, it's weird, like, seeing him act. But man, Letterman was funny. I was not, I, I genuinely just didn't watch a lot of late night TV as a kid. No, so I, I used to love letter because I used to love the top 10 list and uh, I used to stupid Petrix, always great. So I'm happy to see David Letterman in this. I had a bedtime, so I never got to watch David Letterman. Uh, I didn't in the summer. I was baby. No, in the summer I was watching. What's funny is I was watching Nick at Night mm. during the summer. So I was like on that Monsters, Monsters Mondays, whoop, whoop. <laughs> Block party summer. We get to the parent-teacher conference. And at one point, Chris makes a quip that the audience hoots and hollers and stops the show. Yeah. And Danny, Shirley, Chris, and Mrs. Diaz do a curtain call. Yes. And and they are thrown flowers. Yes. The quip is not very good. I believe the joke is the wife says, we don't understand why this is happening. And Chris Elliott goes, let me handle this. We don't understand why this is happening. Oh, he said the exact same thing as the wife. And the crowd just goes insane. So they do the curtain call. Chris Elliott has to be like... However, we are on a schedule, so if you could please quiet down so we could return to the scene, we'd appreciate that, too. Thanks very much, once again, and love your thoughts. And then they just sit down and continue the scene. And uh, it turns out that instead of being on the corner of 13th Street uh, across from the 11th, or the northeast corner of 3rd Street in front of the 11th, he should have been on the southwest corner of 3rd Street in front of the 7-Eleven. Yeah, he's been going to the wrong school, so he's been going to a Hispanic school. Yeah, so he couldn't understand everything because it was all in Spanish. Both of his kids have been going to a Spanish-speaking school by accident because <laughs> they've been getting on the wrong bus. And uh, Chris Elliott goes, it looks like me and your mom have a lot of apologizing to do. Yeah, and Danny's like, you bet you do, and that's when you find out who Danny is. Yes, so Danny I... Danny is uh, tiny baby... 
I stared at him for so long and I was like, I know this kid. I know this kid. And you went, it's exactly who you think it is. And I was like, I don't know who it is though. I just know him. Blew my mind. Seth Green. It's Seth Green. It is tiny baby Seth Green. Oh. And when I say tiny baby, I don't mean like, oh, you know, he was just out of high school. No, he's a child. Yeah. And we go outside and Chris has the wig on. Again. Yes, so because... They're not in a building. So they're outside now, so it's the action show. And now, like, Chris and his wife are fighting. And he turns into that suave guy. And then they share a passionate kiss. Yeah. A very gross, open mouth, like... But, like, this really showed how much this show had us. Yeah. Because as they're walking and they start to fight, I turned to you and I went, Oh my God, they're outside. Yeah. Like, I realized the stakes and the problem. And I was like, oh. And then uh, duty calls, because a cop calls Chris. Zach has a rap sheet a mile long. And he goes, so I'm right. Yeah, but next time you'll be wrong. He was in prison. And he ran, he's like, yeah, did you commit any crimes? Yes. Your, Your daughter told him that. And uh, I just think that's such a funny joke of just like, they, they knew he had a rap sheet. And then we they get, had to have this trope in there. We get that Zach is at the house with Melissa right now. So these two worlds are about to collide. Yeah. And uh, we see Zach and Melissa making out on the couch. Yes. And behind Melissa on the stairwell is the third child. Yeah. Staring. Just staring, just watching. She's actually the most terrifying character. Yeah, she doesn't do anything really in this show. Uh, and what she does do is really scary. We're gonna we're gonna talk about her at the end. Yeah. Uh Melissa has shaved her head and gotten a serpent tattoo, like she's Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> or like she's in the uh Southside Serpents from Riverdale. <laughs> and uh <laughs> They're just making out and uh, Chris Elliott's going to have to re- like break this up. But Shirley asks to handle it. And she's firm with Melissa. She goes, like, you cannot see this man anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's not really about the murder at this point. And then we find out that Zach and Melissa had had matching earrings. And it Melissa had lost had hers. lost hers. And then an old lady that we have never seen before and we never see again... Goes, Melissa's the killer! Clear to me, Melissa's the killer. And and then it cuts back to the family and they're all looking for this person that just spoke. Yes. Which I thought, it's so funny. It's so funny. I also love Melissa's hilariously obvious bald cap. Yes. You didn't even notice that I shaved my head! <laughs> she screams and she kind of chalks it up to like, she's just kind of been ignored this episode. Yeah. It's because uh, Chris Elliott says, we know you're going through a phase. And she's like, no, this is who I am. I kill people. And it's a parody of teen drama teens mm-hmm. of like the angsty, troubled teenager. Well, I also think it's every sitcom. This is the learning hugging moment. Yeah. They choose to accept their daughter and apologize to her about judging Zach. Yeah. And they're like, but why jazz musicians? What? I was just killing people at random. I didn't know they were jazz musicians. The family agrees that since the cops already think it's Zach, 
they're going to pin the murders on Zach. Pin on Zach, he's an ex-con. Yeah, you can blow his brains out. And yeah, no, the little girl goes... We still have all these murders on our hands. You know, it is still against the law, sugar. <laughs> Zach's an ex-con. And Captain Blockett thinks he did it anyhow. Well, sure, that would fit. Hey, Dad, let's kill him! Her only line. <laughs> let's kill him. She cleans a gun and says, let, stares at her sister making out and says, let's kill him. This girl is another story. <laughs> Uh, I, I love this. Sitcom Chris Elliott murders this man in his home. But we don't see it. But he explodes out the window, so it becomes an action movie out there. Yes. <laughs> so funny. Which I think is very clever. We don't see our sitcom dad commit an act of violence. Mm-hmm. And when we see the aftermath of it, it is outside. Yeah. So, I thought that was very clever. The violence doesn't actually stay in the home. Mm-hmm. It's pushed out. Yeah. The house. And shown. Whatever power the house has casts out. Yeah. So cool. Um, and then they sing Somebody Wants to Love You from yeah. the Partridge Family. Yeah. They all have different musical instruments. And- Stop. And they hug Melissa, and she's been accepted into the family still, mm. and everyone's just doing better. And then they go, where's Grandpa? And the toilet flushes. Yeah. And then the credit sequence is fun, because we see shots that are not in the show. Yeah, there's a shot of an alien out of nowhere. Yeah, which I really thought was fun. Uh, so I like that uh, it was shot on film during the drama sequences, and then on tape in the TV sequences. Oh, that's amazing. So... If you don't know a lot about TV, you know it looks different, but you don't necessarily know why. And I I just, I really got hard Garth Marenghi vibes from this show. Yeah. Like, in a good way. Of certain things are stylized to look bad. Mm-hmm. I think because of when this came out in the 80s, uh, Garth Marenghi has the distinct advantage of parody and tropiness was more of a thing when Dark Place came out. Right. I will say, Action Family was incredibly well-received. Yeah? Uh, yeah, the Washington Post called it brilliant. They Oops. said, like, this was such a good show. Mm-hmm. They had nothing to, nothing but nice things to say about it. And I found that really, really interesting. That it seems very strange. Uh, Dan Harmon talks about how it's a huge influence on his work. Mm-hmm. Which, considering we joke that community is TV tropes the series. Right. Um, you really get that impression. Because there's a lot of attention to detail. Mm-hmm. That being said, this is made for a certain kind of person. Yes. I don't necessarily know if you took someone who is not into meta and into like tropes, whether it would translate as well. Like, yeah. I loved this. But I'm also like, this trope, this trope, this trope. Hey, this is shot on tape now. Yeah. I I do think that at least at this time, you knew what a sitcom was and an action show was. It doesn't go too deep into the trope. I think the average person could get it. Yeah. They might not appreciate it to the level that we did. 
Well, Chris Elliott talks about how these two genres are uh, two of the most predictable genres. Right. So that's why he wanted to meld them because it's crime procedural sitcom. Mm-hmm. These are incredibly predictable. Very formulaic. That's why crime procedurals run for like 20 years. How yeah. long has NCIS been running? For yeah. God's sake. So he wanted to meld those two and find a way to mine unpredictability from blending these two genres. And it's really clever. Yeah. Uh, th- there's, there's two major issues I had with it. One, okay. One's the hot dog scene. But the hot dog scene actually shows how strong this is. Mm-hmm. Because the hot dog scene is funny. But I was actually so invested in what was going on. That, like, it felt so removed from the rest of the plot. Yeah. That I was just like, all right, I get this. This is funny. But get back to the the other stuff because I really like it. The fact that I was that invested in this show. Yeah. This ridiculous show really speaks to this. I also had an issue with the Letterman cameo. Yeah. Because I was like, it's really weird that, like, they're just breaking character in the middle of this. Because it's already, like a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And then it dawned on me. It was David Letterman showing up. It turned into a talk show. Yeah. So David Letterman showing up brought his genre and interviewed him like, so you got to see, you got one of those uh, Cinemax shows, huh? Yeah. And then when he drives away, it becomes the action show again. Like when that dawned on me, I was like, oh my God, this is, Eight la- layers of brilliant that I did not even realize. Yeah, and like, what is more? And even though you said like he's a talk show host and they don't, and he didn't do like a lot of acting, it was not uncommon for talk show hosts to do cameos in sitcoms, or for actors to do cameos in pri- crime procedurals. So it kind of still manages to like fit in that genre of like, if some if a talk show is going to show up somewhere, or talk show mm. host is going to show up somewhere, it's in the middle of one of these two kinds of shows. So yeah, I think. Chris Elliott knew, like, David Letterman's going to do a cameo because it's me and that's what he does. Yeah. But I think he was also smart enough to be like, well, if David Letterman does a cameo, he can't just be a guy. He has to be David Letterman because of the rules of the show. Yes. So if he does a cameo, it has to become a talk show for a moment. Incredible. Incredible. Absolutely. Uh, anything else you want to say about this? No, it aired. Um, it aired in, on Cinemax. It aired in prime time. Uh, this is sometimes I I, I want to explain things to some of our younger viewers of like Cinemax was like super premium cable. Yes. at this time, like you didn't just have Cinemax, and you had to kind of go looking for shows like this because mm-hmm. they probably did re-air it a few times. I couldn't find a lot about it. Right, but. It's not like you could go back and watch this a week later on demand. Well, like, today, Cinemax is what? The third tier premium channel? Like, because HBO's the top. Yeah. And then I would say Showtime. And then I would say Cinemax is above Stars. Maybe. And no one cares about Encore. I don't even know if Encore's still a thing. Encore is Stars, I think. Maybe, yeah. Something like that. And like at the time of at the time of this, would there have been Prism? Yes. 
So maybe, yeah, it might have been lower beneath Prism because Prism was a... We're going way back, guys. Prism was another, like, uh, premium channel that you got because it showed movies and hockey? Yeah, it was... Prism... Now, I've got to say, we know what Prism is. Was Prism only Philadelphia? It stood for Philadelphia Regional In-Home Sports and Movies. Yes, because... They called. They also called it Prism because we had the Spectrum. Yes. As a, a building. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Did not expect to fall down this hole today. Oh yeah, Prism. Its headquarters was in Ballakinwood. Yeah. Prism was a premium channel in Philadelphia that everyone accidentally got for free and didn't tell their cable company. Yeah. Did you get Prism? Um. I I don't remember. Probably. I just remember like. Getting Prism and being like, we have to call the cable company because we're not paying for this. And then they were like, you don't have Prism. It's like, oh, you're right. We don't have Prism. <laughs> yeah, like it was... I, I really... I was just thinking about their... Uh, their I, I'm looking at their logo and it's like that weird liminal space in your head of like, oh my God. Just a thing you haven't thought about in a long time. Yeah. Oh. So we got to give this a verdict. Okay. Do you want to go first? Uh, There's one little thing that I'm torn about this. Okay. This is a really brilliant show that I really enjoyed. I loved breaking... Like, the the laugh track through the phone is so funny. The taking a bow in the middle of the show is so funny. They did so many of those, though, that I'm like, is there more of these to justify a series? I think... I think maybe you could get a season out of this. Yeah. But then I think like you'd kind of start running low on ideas on how to like make those types of jokes. So I, I want to say stay tuned, even though I don't think it's going to be very long running. Maybe if like in season two, the like game show family moved in next door. Yeah. And like, there's just like, now there's these neighbors. And if you go over there, all of a sudden it's like physical challenges and trivia. Or if Chris changes jobs and you move to like, he's a doctor now. There you go. There you go. Like a doctor drama would make sense. Yeah. Or then like in the third season, he's a teacher. Hmm. And then like, but he's not, it then like starts to shift focus onto like his kids and he starts to be like, more and more marginalized. Well, also, I guess... It, I think it has about a season in it. If you did season two and all of a sudden there was, like, a Martian that only he could see mm-hmm. to, like, try to keep the show going. Yo! <laughs> it's a great gazoo joke. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give it a stay tuned. Even though I know, like, it's so brilliant that I'm like, there's no way that they can keep this pace up. But I mean, like, at the end, it does kind of become a variety show. So if they just kept adding more genres to it, I think it had legs. It's just, it doesn't seem like it'd be easy. Yeah, I think you could definitely keep this a stay tuned. Because I'm I'm thinking about it through the lens of, like, community. Yeah. Of you have this sitcom part, but you can start getting into, like, all of these other tropes and stock plots. And you could just kind of make the character of Chris kind of rubberized. Yeah. Of like, he is whatever he needs to be. 
I would call it a stay tuned as well. I thought this was clever enough that the premise could carry forward. There's a lot of potential here. I really, I thought this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much that I think I might start watching Eagle Heart, the Chris Elliott Adult Swim show. I I keep hearing this uh, compared to Adult Swim in a lot of ways of this is the sort of show that would have done really well on like early Adult Swim when it was like Aqua Teen. Yeah. Of... It's live action, so I know that that's kind of strange. But like, could you see this running with Space Ghost in a block? Yeah, totally. And usually when I say Adult Swim, I don't mean that as a compliment. But this is Adult Swim where it doesn't really rely on graphic violence and swearing. I mean, there was a time in Adult Swim where, like, when you were first starting, you had three shows. You had Space Ghost, you had Sea Lab, and you had Aqua Team. Mm-hmm. The main thing about those three shows is they didn't have the money for animation. Yeah. So, like, Space Ghost had sat behind a desk and had three animations. Yes. So did uh, Zorak. So did Brack. Did, so did uh, Molten. Whatever the hell the last guy was named. Moltar. Moltar, excuse me. Uh, C-Lab was another show. Like, they just took the animation and, like, recut it. To yes. be a new show. Like, they didn't, they couldn't do animation. The turning point of Adult Swim to me, when, like, Metalocalypse showed up, where it's like, well, now we can draw anything. Let's draw the craziest violence we can. Yeah. And that's, that's your Metalocalypse, your Super Jail, um, Mr. Pickles, all that stuff. So, like... Whether or not you as a listener are a fan of, of that type of thing, that, that's up to you. But there is definitely a hard difference where Adult Swim had to rely on writing. And then they could rely on animation later. Yeah, when There they, is a stark difference between those eras of Adult Swim. Yeah, and this is definitely in the era that could rely on um, writing and being clever. Yeah. And I think it's... I do think it's incredibly clever. Yeah. So yeah, that's going to do it for Chris Elliott's Action Family. It was what a, a lot of fun. What a treat. Aren't you glad I made you watch it? I made you stop this podcast and watch it? Something special. I thought you were talking to me and I was like, I suggested this no, one. No, I'm talking to the listeners. <laughs> the what do, We don't have a name for our listeners. Grave Robbers. Oh, the Grave Robbers. I'm we sorry. We say it at the beginning of every yeah, episode. This is my first show. Editor Noah popping up here once again to talk to you about Patreon. I know we brought it up a bit already on the podcast, but we got to talk about our next bonus episode, which will be decided by you, the listeners. Here are four choices. These four choices will go to Twitter. The top two choices will then go to our Patreons, where our patrons will choose what our bonus episode will be about. Last month's runner-up was Stay Doomed Restaurants, where we take a look at the restaurants that are sadly no longer with us. Crowdfund Cryptkeeper Matthew has suggested yet again Southland Tales, which is a film starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson that I know very little about. So would you like to hear our review of Southland Tales? Our new choices, we brought this up in our last Patreon-exclusive episode, the idea of doing Shark Rumble. Shark Rumble is a show over on Discovery Plus about sharks fighting, 
and it is hosted by WWE superstar Drew McIntyre and hated individual by Stay Doomed, Luke Tipple. And finally, me and Lara play this little game uh, called The Plot Game. Basically, I consider myself someone who knows a good deal about musicals. And Laura, Laura considers herself a gamer. Yet every once in a while, we surprise ourselves with what various musicals and video games are about. So we thought we would do it as an episode. I will give Laura various video games, and she will try to tell me what she thinks the plot of those games are. And Laura will then give me various musicals, and I will try to guess what the plot of those musicals are. So those are your choices. We have Stay Doomed Restaurants, Southland Tales, Shark Rumble, and The Plot Game. Make your choice over on Twitter. And now, back to the show. Uh, <laughs> what are we watching next week? We are watching... Uh, to Riverdale and back again, a 1990s TV movie that was meant to kick off uh, an Archie show in the 90s. Yes, that's right. After being on the Patreon poll for months. Yeah, for like a long time. It finally won the poll. So we are finally going to do uh, To Riverdale and back again. And if you want to have a say on what we do on this here show why don't you join our patreon you get to join our discord it's a lot of fun and a big thank you goes out to crowdfund crib keeper matthew for helping keep the lights on where can people find us you can email us at the stay doomed show at gmail.com or on facebook and twitter at stay doomed and if you remember prism and want to talk about it i'm at plus two comedy if you really enjoy the liminal space of late 80s, early 90s logo graphic design, I'm at Sprocket League. Until next time, stay doomed. Look, I really like old graphic design. I know, I know. <laughs>